The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. So that we could save our heritage because, you know, it's not a right, it's a privilege to dog hunt, no matter what kind of hunting we're doing. You know, any state, or at least I know from the state of Alabama, they could stop dog hunting of any kind at any given time. Do you have trouble physically making it through long hunts? Is your dog always giving you that angry look telling you to keep up? You train your dog, but now it's time to train yourself. Rocky Mountain Hunt Strong is the company for any hunter that is looking for an effective fitness routine to get healthier and be able to hunt longer and harder. This company has merged fitness and the passion of hunting to help people like you and me continue to do what we love. From the Rockies to the Smokies and every field or prairie in between, This company can get you ready to go longer, cover more ground, and recover quicker. Go to RockyMountainHuntStrong.com and see their program for yourself. Use the discount code GDIY to save 15% and get to work. Train harder, hunt stronger, and recover faster. Welcome back to another week at GDIY. We're actually on the road. We're up here at Mark Thornberry's house in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We just got done quail hunting, and we're going to go back out tomorrow. So if you hear a little background noise for a little bit, please forgive us. But, Adam, what's going on? Not much. I want to share a few mistakes I made this week. With uh, You make mistakes? Yeah, all the time. We talk about people on social media uh, making their lives look perfect and uh we're making a an effort to share our mistakes so that other people can learn from them. we always have a lot to share uh yeah a lot to share <laughs> so i had uh thursday off work decided i'd go do some dog training and i stopped in arranged ahead of time to buy some quail from someone that i'd never bought quail from and uh i asked if they were good flyers and they said oh yeah they'll fly so <laughs> So I got to this place, and just like we talk about with red flags, uh, saw the red flags. I knew it was not going to end well, and I just I still bought these birds. But they're in like a chicken coop. When the lady went up to to get them, they didn't try to fly or anything. Just reached in, grabbed them. They didn't care. So it was a, a pretty bad sign. And again, at that point, I knew it was wrong. I knew they were uh, not going to be good birds, but... 
I felt obligated to buy these birds. I would have been better off to just give these people $30 and have them keep their birds. Uh, they did not fly. <laughs> that they went off. like 10 feet in the air and then just flop back down. So not great for uh, dog training. So just want to share that. You're working on steadiness. So I'm it's working like- <laughs> on steadiness and I justified it. I was like, well, I'm working on steadiness. He probably needs to be steady no matter how far the bird flies. Yep. <laughs> So the first one flew 10 feet. He was steady. And then it's like he couldn't stand anymore. He just went and grabbed it. I'm like, man, we're <laughs> what a waste of a day. So it happens. We've all dealt with yeah. uh, poor flyers. What about you? What's going on this week with you, Nick? Uh, well, this week, obviously, we have this week, uh, this episode right now with uh, Lonnie Miller talking deer dogs that's going to be uh real interesting it's out of our comfort zone and something that we've never really done and lonnie's pretty knowledgeable doing it for as many years as he has and he actually has a really good method for stop to whistle which is pretty impressive for hound dogs and deer dogs you don't really see that a lot uh when hounds are hot on a deer trail to be able to just stop to whistle and recall so uh he goes into that so Excited for that episode, but then also this week we have uh, our first GDIY spotlight. You want to tell everybody more about that? Yeah, so Nick and I decided that uh, we wanted to start contributing to a charity once a month, so we're going to have a charity in the spotlight once a month, uh, and and we'll do a short episode with them uh, to highlight, put them in the spotlight, put their charity in the spotlight, (laughs) and... uh, and just get the word out about uh, what what that charity is. Yeah, so we're going to hear about their missions and uh, what what they have going on and how people can contribute. And uh, at the end of the month, we're going to do- donate 10% of our Patreon uh, money that we raise to them. And it's just kind of our way to give back because uh, a lot of the podcasts out there, they kind of touch on the con- conservation and nonprofit stuff a little bit more than what we do. So it's... It's not that we don't care, but it's, you know, it's still important. We want to give back. But uh, so, yeah, we just want to put the spotlight on some of these organizations. And it's going to be anything from dog training to dog rescues, specific breed rescues, uh, conservation. So if there's any suggestions, if you have, you know, obviously we know the quail forever, pheasants forever, RGS. You know, we know those obvious nonprofits but if there's any others that we're missing that you kind of think that would be a good fit please send us an email facebook instagram message anything just let us know and uh, we're going to do one a month and like i said at the end of the month donate a little bit of money and uh, right now it's not a lot but our patreon users are fantastic they you know the fact that anybody would choose to donate money to us to do this (laughs) crazy podcast is a little little crazy to me but we definitely appreciate it and uh we're not just taking the money for ourselves but we want to throw it back to another organization as well yeah so hit us up on social media um if if you've got ideas for charities that we can put in the spotlight also we're going to have uh our gdiy profile episodes coming out and these are bonus episodes the the charity in the spotlight and the gdi gdiy profile episodes are are bonus episodes so they're going to be ad free and uh, that's part of what will make them shorter but 
the profile episodes. Go ahead and tell us about those, Nick. So we've done a couple. We've done mine and yours, and they're a little longer. The profiles from here on out, they're going to be a little shorter, and they're going to be a little sh- just short and sweet. And it's it's a way to profile just your everyday dog handler and telling their stories about how they got into hunting, how they got their first dog, what they learned, and pretty much all the stories that we all know and can relate to. And But it's honesty. You know, it, it's not the social media effect to where people just trying to trying to make themselves look great. We want we're, we're trying to get people that will share their failures as well as successes. And so it, this came up because we've had a lot of people come out and they're like, oh, man, I'm I, I really screwed up. I did this, this and this. And I was like, dude, you're not the only one. Right. Like, everybody's been there. Oh, really? And it's like, okay, let's let's start putting this out there just as a short episode every couple weeks. And uh, I think it's going to, you're going to hear a lot of funny stuff. You're going to hear a lot of honesty and uh, it, especially new handlers and people looking to get their new first dog. Maybe they can learn something from it. Yeah. So hit us up on social media for that too. If, if you want to share your story or know someone that does that, hit us up. Yeah. Social media. And also on our website, there's a form that you can fill out. If you think that, uh, if you have a good story experience and you want to share it and potentially come on for a profile, go there and fill it out and we may get back to you. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot more content coming your way with the spotlight and, uh, and profile. Yeah. So, uh, coming up is Lonnie Miller, uh, like Nick said, deer dogs. I think sometimes the the deer dogs get a bad rap, but there's a lot of tradition that goes along with it, and you guys will hear Lonnie talk about it. I think you'll enjoy. Absolutely. We'll check back next week. Appreciate it, guys. If you're currently in the market for a kennel, then be sure to check out Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels is the only kennel that's five-star crash rated from the Center for Pet Safety. The double wall rotomodal construction ensures it holds up in all types of weather and conditions. Also, Gunner Kennels has a lifetime warranty. These kennels are built to last a lifetime, and Gunner stands behind that. Gunner also has all the accessories you can need from fan kits to help keep them cool, performance and orthopedic pads to help keep them comfortable and ready to go after long travels, and even tie down straps to help ensure there's no worries for the kennel moving or sliding around in your truck. So if you need man's best kennel for man's best friend, head on over to gundogityourself.com and click on the Gunner link. Be sure to purchase your kennel, accessories, and even gift cards for holidays and birthdays through our link, and it will go a long way in helping out the podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another week of GDIY. On the line, we have Lonnie Miller. He's a uh, deer hunting expert with uh, dogs. Lonnie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, living the dream. Can't complain over here. I guess just start off with the obvious. Tell everybody where you're from and uh, how long you've been hunting. Well, uh, like I said, my, my name's Lonnie Miller. I'm the president of the Alabama Dog Hunters Association uh, in, uh, of course, South Alabama. I've uh, been hunting my whole life, dog hunting my whole life. I'm 52 years old. I, you know, grew up as a, as a generational thing, uh, you know, from handed down and trying, you know, taught, uh, you know, how to do it from my my family and uh we we uh we've been doing it our whole life and and uh you know i killed my first deer when i in front of a pack of hounds when i was uh eight years old and uh down on eglin air force base in florida and uh i I actually you know uh pretty much been doing it my whole life man that's awesome so have you have you done uh still hunting with for deer at all or have you always hunted with dogs 
No, I still hunt. Uh, you know, I we, we you know stalk hunt, still hunt. And I, you know, and, and, and in a dog hunter's world, we may jokingly call them stump hunters. You know, and yeah. basically, <laughs> in, in, in our vision is you go sit on a stump and wait for a deer to come by type deal. You know, and you know, and, and uh, but you know, uh, most of us are, are, are hunters. We're all hunters. You know, if you're still hunting, stalk hunting, dog hunting, uh, whatever you're doing, you know, and, and that's you know, there's a there's not a separation because, uh, you know, we all like to hunt and I, I personally like to still hunt. I, I like the, um, you know, the, the, the quietness and solitude sometimes, but, uh, you know, when you, there's nothing like turning out a pack of hounds and, and, uh, and jumping a, a big buck and, and, uh, and basically the dogs running it. And, and when, it, when the closer they get to you, you know, where you know, they're bringing a deer to you. Now, you know, whether you want to shoot it or not, it's, it's your choice. Is it a doe or is it a buck? And of course, in the state of Alabama, we shoot, we can shoot does. Uh, I think it's two a day. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, one buck a day. Uh, so you make a choice. You want to shoot the deer or not. Yeah, there's a big difference in still hunting and uh, hunting deer with dogs. I've I've hunted deer with dogs twice just to kind of sample it and wanted to go back for a little more the second time. So other than the than the obvious differences and one you're hunting with a dog, one without, what's it like to hunt with dogs? I mean, how's the whole process work? Well, you know, it, when, when I go still hunting, I'm I'm waiting on a deer to come in range or in sight walk by me, you know, hear it. Um, and you know, you, you know, you, you're, you're basically just waiting on the deer to come to you at its natural state. When, when I go dog hunting, I, I'm usually the, the, the reason I dog hunt is, is, is the camaraderie, the, the companionship, the, the friendship, uh, hanging out and, you know, uh, when you go, you're in a group, there's, you know, several people anywhere from, you know, five to 50 people, depending on the size of the hunting party that day. And, and, you know, we, we have a section or, a, a, a you know, of, of land and, and we'll have, we'll put the standards out and whoever's going to take a stand wherever they think the crossing is or where, you know, and then the dogs, the dog men uh, and women uh, will, will go and turn dogs out into that section. And the dogs basically go and and um, and there's there's several different types and ways to hunt. And I'm sure we'll t- touch on that here in a few minutes. But basically, the, the the short story is the dog goes in there, smells a deer, and uh, you know they'll they'll track track the deer up. It'll get the, it'll get fresher and fresher, and we call it hotter and hum. And eventually, they'll get the deer up if he's bedded down, or you know, and and then they'll 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 chase the deer. Uh, they don't catch the deer. They're, uh, you know, it's it's very, very, very rare for that to happen. Um, I'm not going to say that it hasn't happened or don't happen, but it's very rare. Usually, the deer is three, four hundred yards or two, three hundred yards in front of the dogs. But it's it's much like turkey hunting. I know when I go turkey hunting, I'm hearing a gobbler, and I know where that gobbler's at. Well, when that dog is running that deer, I know about where the deer's at, and I know where he's going to cross or if if he's getting close to me. And and, and uh, you know, it's just a uh, that's the way it works. Makes a lot of sense. That's that's really interesting. What are the primary breeds that people use to run deer, and what do you run yourself? Well, you know, there's, uh, you know, I've I've thought about it a lot today. This you know, this podcast, and you know, there's, I, I've hunted with people that 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 have feist dogs. You know, like a yard, I call them yard dogs. You know, whether it's a German Shepherd or you know a knee high. Um, 
you know, um, um, you know, terrier type dog, I, I, you know, but typically if you're really, a, a, I guess a true deer hunter, in my opinion, you're going to have a, a beagle, a, a, a running walker, tree and walker, you know, the blue ticks, uh, black and tans. And, and there's even, you know, there's some folks over in Mobile County, Alabama that have bird dogs and they do a very, uh, you know, a, a bird dog, you know, they do run deer and, and, uh, you know, they don't run very long. They run 20 minutes, but all the other breeds I talked about, uh, you know, they, they actually have a different characteristic by themselves. The beagle's got a good nose, but they don't have speed. So you might want to cross a, a beagle with a running walker and, and you'll have a medium sized dog. And, you know, the, uh, some people like fast dogs some want slow dogs and, and, uh, you know, and that's pretty much what, uh, you know, how it works. I personally, uh, if I had my choice, I'd rather have a, 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 a big, a walker run walker mix, which is like a half high knee, knee high top dog, uh, that they don't make that fast. They got a good mouth on them. They, they bark real good and, uh, they got a good nose on them. But when you get a half high dog and you're hunting with in a group, uh, somebody else may have a, a, a true walker dog or a, what we call a, a July you know, which is really fast. Well, you know, it's like a car race. You don't want to run second place. You want to be in the front. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got a, a, a medium, a medium speed dog and you got somebody that's got a dog that's taking over the race. Man, I, I, I don't it, it, look, it's like bragging rights. And that's part of the camaraderie thing. When we get done, you know, somebody's talking about how, you know, Hey, my dog was the first one out and, or, you know, uh, you know, uh, well, my, uh, your, you know, my dog was faster than your dog and this, and that's what happens. And we start, you know, just, just ragging each other and, and, uh, you know, and if, and it's like I told someone the other day, if we, it's not about when you're a dog hunter, it's not about killing that trophy. You know, um, every club has different rules. It's not true. If, if you're a dog hunter, you're not a trophy hunter. And I'm not going to say you don't shoot a trophy. Today's the last day in the state of Alabama. And I saw four pictures today of some of the best bucks I've seen, um, in, in South Alabama, uh, killed today in front of dogs. But most of the time it's about, a, you know, uh, it's just the camaraderie and the fun of the chase and, and, and hearing, hearing the dogs. And, and, uh, if you miss a deer, uh, you know, I was in a club here a few years back and they, you a, a $2 miss fee, you know, and they, they wound up collecting money from everybody. <laughs> miss. And, uh, and, and at the end of the year, they had a, 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 a party with the money, you know, cause then it was a big party. It depends on how much, how many deer we missed that year. You know, it, it was all a joke, you know? <laughs> but well, I'll tell you, they were serious about collecting the $2. It was, a, it was a serious deal. If somebody started who, who shot, well, it wasn't me. And then they'd narrow it down. Hey, you know, and, uh, but, and there's some, some clubs that I've been around and back in the early days, especially they'd cut your shirt if you missed a deer. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was part of the deal. And you walk around, you know, with a shirt tail missing, everybody knew, Hey man, I, uh, I missed, I missed. Deer. <laughs> so on your way to go deer hunt, you've got to stop by and get a couple $1 bills just in case, I guess. Yeah. Or you, or you better be a good shot. I hear you. So what do you. What are you guys shooting rifles or shotguns or is it a little mix of both? It's a, it's a mix of both. It depends on the, uh, or the, 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 the land you're hunting on, uh, you know, uh, of course, public land hunting that, uh, we'll talk about that probably in a little while, but, uh, on, on private land, you can shoot a rifle or a shotgun. Um, the clubs have different rules and, and of course, you know, safety comes into play with all that, you know, sure. because if, if you, 
you know, the road may be a windy, curvy road. Well, you know, buckshot's typically what you use. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody's got different types of buckshot. And my gun shoots a, a number one buckshot better. And, you know, I, I've had to pattern it. And, and you know, anybody that's going to shoot a deer needs to needs to pattern their gun and make sure that it's, it's whether it's a rifle or a shotgun, make sure, you know, walking. But um, there are some people that don't shoot anything but rifles. Know, and and uh, they kill deer with them, just just uh, running deer. I'm talking about um, a lot. Uh, I, I can't do it. I, I've killed a few running deer with a rifle, but I just look. I'm a shotgun guy, and and and, and again, I, I'm not there to kill the deer. I'm there to train the dog, work the dog, and 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 basically just to have fun with with, with the guys. There you go. And, and that's what it is for me. Yeah. I was just gonna say if I wanted to to, to kill deer. And which I am in a, in a in a steel hunting club, and I paid paid over a couple thousand dollars to steel hunt. I'm, I'm in that club to kill a trophy. Well, circling back around to the dog, um, just real quick, give a just a quick summary of what the ideal quote unquote finished dog is. What are you looking out of a dog that when you say, okay, he's trained up, he's accountable, and let's ready to rock? What what does that dog look like? Well, again, the breed, you know, everybody's got a different opinion about a, a, the breed of a dog, no matter what we're hunting, whether it's you know, birds or deer, squirrels or, or, or coons. Um, but for a deer dog, uh, you know, you want one that's going to have a good nose. Um, you know, in South Alabama, it, there's a lot of red clay, sandy roads, and we, we track hunt a lot. So down here, we want a trail, what we call a trail dog. Uh, we'll ride and look in the morning before daylight, look for a uh, buck track. And, uh, you know, naturally they're bigger. They're actually, they're, they're shaped different than a doe. And, and we turn out those trail dogs, usually one or two on that track. And, and, uh, if that buck walked within eight or 10 hours of across that road with eight or 10 hours, we're going to jump that buck up. And, uh, uh, once, once the trail dogs start hitting the track real hot and heavy, we'll get close to them and we'll, we'll turn out some, what we call pack dogs, some dogs that's going to go to those dogs barking. And, um, so the type of dog you want is, you know, you, you want them to stay together in a pack. Uh, the more dogs you have, it's like going to a football game. The more people, the louder it is. Well, the, the more dogs you have, the, the louder it is. And, and if it's windy or if they're a long ways off and, you know, you can hear them. And, uh, down here, it's flat out, you know, flat Alabama land. And, uh, you know, if I'm, I've hunted up in the Talladega National Forest in the mountains up there, and, and uh, you know, it's just a different hunt in South Alabama versus North Alabama. Now, you're talking about uh, trail dogs and pack dogs. Do you train them yep. to do that, or is that something that as the dog develops, they just they just turn into a pack dog or a trail dog? Typically, what you do, and, and you know, uh, it's, it's, it, there's, it's about the bloodline. There's, there's a... Uh, uh, some very good trail dogs that are, you know, people pay anywhere from, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've, I've seen people pay $500 for a dog and I've seen people pay seven or I haven't seen it, but I've, I've, I've heard and, and, and know of people that have paid seven or $8,000 for a trail dog. And, you know, and, and it's a, it's a big money in, in it, but if the dog will take a 12 hour track or, or, you know, or whatever, then the dog's worth money. But, what I do is, and what I've done in the past is I've had trail dogs and, and, you know, I would breed my two best trail dogs and, and I'd get puppies. And typically is, 
it's been my experience. And again, I'm not necessarily, I think you called me an expert a while ago. I, I don't think I'm an expert, but I think I've, I've been doing it 50 years or more, you know, and, and, uh, I, I know what I have experienced. And typically when I have a litter of puppies, one or two of those dogs is going to come out as a trail dog. And, and you don't know which ones they are until they get older, maybe six to eight months old. So, um, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, once they start, we start, we start them off in a rabbit pen and we try to basically, even though it's a deer dog, we start them out on rabbits when they're, when they're six to well, probably eight to 10 weeks old. Okay. And, uh, you know, we take them over to a rabbit pen. And, and, and of course, when I say a rabbit pen, I'm talking a half acre to two acre pen. And, uh, you know, the, the, the puppies will go, well, you'll walk them just like you were hunting and they'll smell the rabbits and the ones that go and jump the rabbits and run them. And of course the rabbits hide. And, uh, you know, when they hide the, the ones that go and find him, that dog's using his nose at eight to 10 weeks old. Well, you know, automatically that he's, Hey, he's showing signs. He may be a trail dog, but in the same token, some that don't show that, you know, any, any interest in it, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a trail dog. So once you, once you maybe at 12 weeks or which is three months and four months, then you start. I, I take them and start running them uh, and turning them out on deer tracks. And, and like, um, if you can get fortunate enough to see a deer walk across the road or, or uh, you know, uh, if you're older dogs, that the, if they can run one like you saw in the video earlier, if you can, you know, get one to run across the road, you know the deer just left there and turn those puppies out. And, and they get the, they, they, they immediately, immediately will switch over from, hey, that's a different smell. And then once they catch on to that smell, then, then that's what they do. And you just keep, well, we call it feeding them tracks or feeding them, you know, you keep putting them on tracks and putting them on tracks. And finally, this is like practicing for, you know, a kid practicing for softball or football. They get better and better and better. And that's how it works. Um, but like, you know, in North Alabama and, and other other places, they don't track hunt because there's rocks and gravel and things that were, where you can't see where a deer walked across the road. And, and so they don't, they don't track hunt. Um, you know, then there, there's, you know, we mentioned that the uh, trail dogs and we mentioned cast dogs. Well, we, uh, there's also another dog called a jump dog, you know, and, uh, or a type of dog. Uh, a jump dog is one that you basically will, will open the dog box and put him in the section you want him to run and he'll go out and he'll jump a deer or, you know, and, and or, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, find a deer to, to run. Do you think a, a jump dog is using their nose or their eyes or is it a little bit of both? How's that work? Yeah, yeah, they are using their nose, but but they may not have a cold nose. But when they when they're walking and they'll go out and walk in that section and just walk and look and they're looking for a deer to run. They know what they're supposed to find, but if it's a uh, you know eight or track or twelve hour track, well they may not smell it. But if it's a uh, three, four, two hours or what, hey, you know, then they start, then they get closer or if they run across one that's a bedded deer, then, uh, you know, it's real hot to them and then they'll just fire up and start barking every breath. And, and of course, if another, and they're out there, you can envision they're kind of fanned out looking and they, you know, they know where each other's at and they, you know, they may be 40, 50, you know, 100 yards apart, but whenever one of them strikes a, a track or a deer, they're all coming to that bark. And they're going to what we call pack up, and then they're, you know then hey, I found one, come help me, and then they they just by running the deer, right? That's the way it works. 
So you're describing all the kind of different roles and jobs of different dogs within the pack. It kind of about what age range or level are you looking at? You, so you obviously have the jump dog. How do you kind of go about pairing your pack together? Are you taking each one of those dogs strengths and weaknesses in different areas and whether it's terrain, weather or hot track, cold track, like tell us how you go about just picking the number of dogs and each dog's job essentially within the pack. Sure. Well, you know, every, again, every person has a different idea about hunt. Personally for me, three to five dogs is, is enough um to have um you know and if i have a trail dog turn a dog out on the track if i don't have a trail dog i'm going to turn the pack dogs out and 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 which would go jump their own deer but but the gist of the thing is that you want to i, I want to have my dogs stay together you know i jokingly call dogs compass dogs that when you turn them out they go in every direction and that's the worst thing that you can have. And there's some dogs I've seen you know, dog hunters that show up with those type of dogs and they drive me nuts because <laughs> you can't go in, in five different directions. You know, uh, you want the, the pack to stay together. Um, you know, and I, I personally like female dogs. Um, I have a, a community pen, if you will, um, for my females and they all, they, they got their pecking order, right. They know who's going to eat first. They know who's going to, you know, uh, this is this is the mean one this is the nice one and these are you know and they know who the boss is and they know who who to follow and, and dogs are like people they they have a personality and they have you know they they know what they like to do and what they don't like to do and Absolutely. so personally for me you know I, and, and and you know and i i would rather have a dog or a pack of dogs that's going to together because you know, again, if they split, and, and sometimes they split. And you, if you got, if you're running multiple deer, you know, the, the the deer the deer will split sometimes, and and they don't know which way to go, and they'll you know maybe split off. But again, we we partner up with folks, and and uh, you know with our, with our buddies, and and we, we use a Garmin Alpha 100 uh, tracking collar and, and training system. It's got a shock, a, a vibrate, and a and of course, we share numbers and you know tracking numbers, and and we we track each other's dogs, and that's you know that's pretty much we, you have to do that, or or you know if they do split, you're you know typically gonna be in trouble, yeah, um, because they'll go out of bounds or or leave the property. Absolutely. So that's I think that gives a real good breakdown of your pack mentality and and each dog's different roles within the pack. So. Let's go ahead into your unique way of calling dogs off of a deer track because this is real fascinating and can be applied to really any dog out there. It can be bird dogs or whatever. Uh, you you kind of have a different method of being able to call them off a track. Uh, you want to break that down for everybody? Sure, sure, absolutely. So I'll give you a little background. So in the in the eighties and nineties, uh, you know maybe seventies, eighties, and early nineties in the state of Alabama. The, uh, the the deer dog hunters um, were you know pretty well just wild wild west and and you know then the the um, the timber companies and the private landowners that owned a lot of land uh, started realizing the value and so they wound up leasing 
uh, that land to out of state folks and, and, you know, and, and, you know, the, the price of land went up. Well, most of those people didn't, did not deer dog hunt. They wanted to go and kill a, 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 a trophy buck in the Alabama black belt. And so the state of Alabama had no choice or felt like they had no choice, but start shutting down dog hunting. And because the, the, the dog hunters, the majority of them would not keep their dogs on their property. Um, about five or six years ago, I, I, I purchased some trail dogs from some guys down in Florida that, that do you know, a, a good job raising and training and, and whatever. So I went down and, and bought some dogs and I you know, they were what we call whistle broke, but it's basically a collar broke dog. And I was like, wow, how do you do that? Well, they started telling me how to do it and teaching me how to do it. And so, uh, of course, <clears throat> you know, I, some people charge to do it, but I, I, I felt like that we needed to put a video out to teach people to do it for free so that we could save our heritage because, you know, it's not a right, it's a privilege to dog hunt, no matter what kind of hunting we're doing. We, you know, any state, or at least I know from the state of Alabama, they could stop dog hunting of any kind at any given time because, you know, our, our commissioner of the, of the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources has that right to do that. So we wound up making a video. We spent a couple thousand dollars. Uh, we hired a, a videographer to come and, and, um, uh, basically you take a, a dog, uh, you know, uh, that's never been messed with as far as, uh, any type of training. And, and, uh, you know, if you, if it's a young puppy, say, say 10, 12, or say, you know, three or four months old, you put a leash on him and, and just like you were walking your dog in town and naturally they're going to fight it. They're going to hate it. And they're, they're going to, you know, just be rolling and flipping and flopping and cause they don't like it. But once they realize that leash is not going to hurt them. It usually takes about 15 or 20 minutes. And the second day, we start back with that leash again. It's a four-day process, by the way. And the second day, we start with that leash again and make sure that, hey, you remember what you did yesterday? Oh, yes. It doesn't hurt me. Well, then we get a 40-foot lead. And uh, we'll, that second day, we'll put a tracking collar on with, with, with that tone, shock, and vibrate. And uh, you, you do not shock the dogs. And that's one of the main things and, and is, you know, you every dog is just like people. They have a different personality. Uh, and if you shock the wrong dog, you're going to ruin the dog. And, and it's not about shocking or abusing the dog, but it's about teaching the dog. And I, I told someone the other day, I was talking to a gentleman, and I said, it's like my grandson. When I go to town and, uh, you know, I've got my grandson with me, and I tell him to come here. And if he don't come here like I've taught him to do and taught him to do, then and he gets run over. It's my fault because I didn't teach him. And if he gets hit by a car or something happens to him or whatever, the same token, these dogs are the same way. If I don't teach them, it's my fault. It's not the dog's fault. So on that second day, basically, we got a 40-foot lead, and uh, we basically will uh, um, tone the dog and, and, and kind of pull the rope to you like – kind of like you're getting a fish bite I've, uh, I've explained in the video and, and, and it, sooner or later the dog will get the drift and he'll come to you and you love on him and pet him and tr give him treats whatever whatever works for that dog and so on day three we start with that 40 foot lead again and we sh you know and work it again well then we wind up taking the lead off the dog and what I do is I my wife is a retired softball coach now but she's coached for many years so I'd go to the to the school and get inside the softball field and have a guy at the foul pole on the first base foul line, and I'd get to the third base, and we would take our whistle, 
in our garment and we'd work that dog blowing the whistle back and forth and, and toning the dog and, and, and it was just you know, just practicing and, and they would you know, they would get the drift of it and uh, uh that's the basics of how to do it. we have a video like like we you know, you and I have already discussed and I, I, I you know, you, you watched that, that segment four where uh, you know, we were running a deer and turned out I think there's ten I don't know, nine or ten or eleven walker dogs that I stopped by myself. They were probably a hundred yards from me and you know, and the tone means to stop, and and uh, the whistle says "come to me," uh, and that's what they did, and 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 it's just that easy. Yeah, that that video is amazing to watch, um, and it sounds like your training method is similar to a lot of other dog training methods to break it down into as many baby steps as you can, and then that's the end result. I mean, this video is really cool. Uh, their dogs are running a deer, you blow a whistle, and they come right off of it. Tell folks where they can find that video. You can find that video on our website. It's www.alabamadoghuntersassociation.org. Org, and uh, you know it's a free video. And you know it doesn't matter if you're if you're rabbit hunting, squirrel hunting, coon hunting, bird hunting. That video, if you just have a dog, it's a pet you like to take out walking. Uh, that is a great video. And uh, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt is helping to save dog hunting in the state of Alabama because it has stopped the pe- the dogs from going on to, uh, you know, property they're not supposed to be on. Absolutely. That was really impressive in the video. I mean, you have an entire pack of dogs right behind a deer and with the whistle, you didn't have to shock. You didn't have to yell. You didn't have to hack at the dogs. You just blew the whistle and they all came right back to the truck. Like that's exactly what they're supposed to do. So yeah, I mean that, that can be attributed, like you said, keeping them from going on the wrong property, uh, maybe a safety issue going out, you know, running across the road or something. I mean, that, there's a lot of yep. uses that people can use that with. And especially for, I mean, hound dogs are usually kind of known for being hard headed almost. And if you can get them right. to do that, then you can really, like you said, do that with any kind of dog for any purpose. So that it's really impressive. Yeah, I, the, I encourage everybody to go watch that video. Yeah. The most I've, you know, most dogs I've ever stopped is 17, uh, at one time. And, you know, and again, <clears throat> I'm the guy that was on the, you know, where the deer crossed, uh, there may have been six or eight different owners, dog owners that had a dog. And we call that a race, by the way, if, if a dog was jumping deer, you know, in a dog world, it's a, it's a, it's a deer dog race. So, uh, basically, uh, if the, uh, you know, I would call some, Hey, the deer cross, it's a doe on the radio and, or, you know, CB or, and, and, and they would say, uh, you know, I'd say, Hey guys, y'all tone them. They would tone and I'd blow the whistle. They were telling their dog to stop because they heard the tone and I was telling them to come to me cause I'm blowing my whistle. And, and that's the, how it works. It's that simple. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a great tool, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, they're, they're working dogs and, and, you know, uh, uh, no matter what the dog is, again, we all love our dogs. We all absolutely just, you know, just want to take care of them and want to use them, but, but it's a tool in the shed basically. And, uh, you got, you got to sharpen the tools and you got to teach them. Uh, you mentioned hard headed dogs. I, I have trained some, some seven and eight year old, six and seven year old black and tan coon hounds or deer dogs, you know, that, that, that were actually deer dogs, but, but they're really hard headed dogs. But in the same token, I, 
I, I used to to uh, have a friend down in the edge of Florida there, uh, you know, uh, in Laurel Hill, Florida, that had some 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 bobcat dogs. He would basically run bobcats with his dogs, and a you know a bobcat doesn't leave much scent, and and so he, he is the first person that I saw teach hounds. You know, again, I always thought they were hard headed, but he taught me. You can teach a hound just like you can do a lab or a or a, a, a German short hair pointer. I've got some German short hair pointers now, and and, and they're really intelligent dogs, and 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 uh, they're, they're just uh, you know they're just they're really smart. Well, a hound is just as smart, but you just have to work with that with that dog, and and you can make them or or you can have them do what you want them to do. Uh, it's just it's really it's really if you work with the dog and you practice with the dog and teach him. They are hard-headed, but they're also, they got a lot of grit. Right. Yeah, I know that. I have an older, tired red bone, and he's, uh, they're hard-headed. But once you get through to them, then, then they take it in just like every other dog. You just have to kind of put it in a way that they understand and can learn from. But let's go right. ahead and move on. I know you just mentioned earlier with the state of kind of deer hunting and, and a lot of states around the country – have kind of done away with it and and it's kind of in a dangerous position to where if we're not careful the heritage of of running deer dogs especially uh i mean really all dog hunting is in jeopardy and depending on where you're looking at but deer dogs is, uh we're focused on now so you want to kind of tell everybody what the state of deer dogs are in alabama because it's one of the few states left that allows it Sure, you know, uh, like I told you, in the in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, early nineties, it was wild, wild west, and 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 uh, you know the money, you know, with people leasing land and what have you, and the and the price of it, they, you know, basically, you know, were getting upset with the dog hunters because they were not keeping up with their with their dogs, and uh, you know, of course, again, you know, I was on Facebook the other day, you know, uh, some guy put a post on there how his dog couldn't read a. Uh, no trespassing sign and you know of course my reply was the dog cannot do it absolutely but you can exactly. and it's up to us to keep our dog off your property and that's the main problem is deer dog encroachment and and, and you know it's it, you know that's typically the problem uh in alabama i, I know you know I've, I've been in it for four years now i've been the president for four years and and of the association and so in alabama there's 67 counties um and out of those 67 counties, less than 30 we can deer dog hunt in in some form or fashion. And some of them are limited about where, you know, south of this road and east of this road, that type deal. Or, and some are open, you know, countywide. But uh, you know, out of 67, and, and we're, we're in less than 30 to, to dog hunt. That's not very good. And and uh, there's there's uh, I don't know how many uh, wildlife management areas there are in Alabama. There's a bunch, and you know we can only deer dog hunt three of those, and it's for a total of uh, you know uh, I want to say eight or ten days combined. Um, you know, and, and so you know and that's public land, guys, and 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 so to me, you know, I realize I respect the stalk hunter or the steel hunters. Uh, I, I am one. I, you know, I'm a hunter, whether I'm dog hunting or stalk hunting or whatever. I, I, I am an outdoorsman and, you know, and I know a lot of the people in your, in your listing area that you talked about as far as how they, you know, uh, they may not 
they may think it's just absolutely crazy to dog hunt, but that's it is a tradition, like you mentioned earlier. And it's been going on. You know, George Washington had hounds when he came. You know, when he was here, and and and, and you know, back in the early 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 days. And uh, you know, it's just it's record records of it back that far. And so it's just something. It is a tradition in the South that's been handed down forever. Now, what's ruined that tradition is dogs leaving your property and going on to some other land. And so Alabama has a, a a, a permit system, if you will. So if, if you decide, Hey, I want a dog hunt, if you can in your County, then, then, uh, in some counties, uh, they require you to do uh, fill out a permit and, and you have to have a minimum of 500 continuous acres with no County or state road or dirt, you know, whether it's dirt or paved, so you, you know, minimum 500 acres. And, uh, you know, some people think you can't run dogs on 500 acres. And if you whistle break those dogs in that, like that video, you can turn them out on 40 acres. And I know people that do it. Uh, Geneva County, Alabama is a, is a farming community and, and they have heads in the middle of their pastures. You, know, you may have a thousand acre field that was soybeans, you know, in the spring. And, and then you got creek heads and things. That's where the bucks are. And they'll take their dogs out there in that 40 acre patch of, of, of woods and, 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 and run a buck. And, and look, you don't kill. I'm telling you, you know, it's not like, Hey, this, you know they're killing everything that moves. It's hard to kill one when you run when you're running with a dog, and uh, but it's fun. It's it's the chase. It's 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 just the the uh, you know the story when it when it gets away, and uh, that's what it's about. It's not about killing. Right, and like you were mentioning, I I know on social media it's gotten kind of bad. Uh, at any time you can find somebody complaining about you know dogs running on my property or. Or even the the crazy people that brag about wanting to shoot a dog if it runs on their uh, property because it's going to mess up their deer hunting. It, it's kind of like what you huh? said. If if you're a deer dog uh, runner and you're responsible with it and you acknowledge the property lines and you take responsibility for your dogs going over there, then kind of the stigma of dog hunters would end up going away if people just kind of respected it and didn't treat it like the wild west, like you were referring to earlier. Sure. And, and it, it's, it's getting better, you know, um, but it, again, it's not the dog's fault. Uh, he cannot read a, 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 a boundary sign or a, a, you know, no trespassing sign, you know, uh, it, it is up to the dog owner, but look, sometimes technology fails. You know, I, I was hunting on one of the WMAs. We we have a uh, a hunt down in Geneva County, Alabama, on the uh, Geneva State Forest WMA every year, and uh, we turned out a hundred dogs on on about sixteen thousand acres. We, we we call them drives, and you know people sign up and the, the, you know uh, to come for that hunt. Usually, I think the state allows a hundred people to come, and uh, my my collars, uh, my GPS Garmin collars quit working, and it happens. I don't, it might be a satellite signal. It might be a malfunctioning glitch in the system. And, uh, in my case, it was an antenna that was bad on my Garmin. And, uh, I wound up changing the antennas out. Uh, you know, of course, dog hunters, we all have spare parts and whatever, just like everybody else. We just, and I, I got an antenna from one of my buddies and it, it actually fixed it. And, uh, I took my dogs two years ago up to the Talladega National Forest and run with some friends up there and, and, uh, guys, my dogs were 900 yards from me and my garment quit working because in the mountain terrain, they don't work. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, 
satellites and, and, and what have you not working. And it, it's just, you know, sometimes it's not the dog owner. But, but again, if you, if you train your dog with that video and the amount of times that it does work, one or two times that it don't work, hey, man, uh, somebody might forgive you for that. Yeah, absolutely. So how many dogs do you have right now, and, and where do you keep all of them? Do any of them stay in the house, or are they all kennel dogs where they stay outside? Hey, man, I, I have a, a, a house dog. It's a, it's a little Yorkie dog, and uh, she she wouldn't allow no other guests to come in the house. But, no, I, I, keep, my, I, <laughs> hey, I keep mine in the kennel, and uh, I, you know, I've got a kennel out back, and I've got a, uh, I've got one, one, one chocolate lab, and, and I've got uh, two, two German short hair pointers. I love the fact that I can, I can work with them and train them, and, and uh, you know, and, and just like in the video, when you can teach them to do that, you, you spent uh, a hunter has spent time with his, with his dog, and you can tell, and you can tell who you know the, the guys that don't really care much about their dogs, and, and you know they just the ones you can't catch and what have you. I was talking to a buddy of mine today. He's, he he had 15, 15 bucks killed in front of his dogs this year, and the, today was the last day of the Alabama season, and uh, so uh, they wound up killing uh, one more today in front of his dogs, and you know, and that's really what it's about is is for you to to take a pack from puppies and and let them mature into a, a finished working dog and. When you turn them out on a buck track and somebody kills it in front of your dogs, man, that's no other feeling like it. Whether you kill it or not, you know, it's not it's not about you. It's about the dog doing what you trained it to do and what it was to do. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what's one of the most memorable hunts you've had or, or maybe, you know, a funny story you can share with us? Well, you know, that's a tough question there. There's been so many memories over the years, but, you know, I remember, you know, back in the, in the early days and the, family, you know, coming up and, and, and on, on the, you know, at Christmas break and, 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 you know, the uncles and the aunts and the friends and, and, and again, it's about camaraderie and, 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 and they would come up on their, you know, and, 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 and uh, we would just all spend the, the, the Christmas break going hunting and, and, you know, and you, you, you listen to all the stories about what your granddaddy did or what your great granddaddy had done. And, and, you know, those memories are just, uh, you know, it's just there. And, and now I can tell those same stories to my grandkids and, you know, it's just about family and, uh, the, the heritage of, of dog hunting is just there again. It's just a tradition. Absolutely. You know, that, those, those memories. And it, it, it wasn't about killing the deer. It wasn't about, uh, you know, how many I killed this year. Uh, it was about the stories of what happened, uh, you know, and, and what, you know, the funny things that happened or the, you know, just so much stuff happened over the years and has happened. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I really, I really am an advocate for kids and, you know, I, I wanted to touch on that, that, you know, when you, when, when I took, you know, I, I've got four kids, uh, my baby's 26. I don't have any, you know, they're, I got grandkids coming and when they get a little older, I'll be able to share the hunting experience with them and they'll enjoy it when they can enjoy it, when they, when they, when they get ready to go. But, you know, when you take a, a child hunting and if you go get in a tree stand, you can go get a, you know, a, a, a two man ladder stand, or you might get you a, a, a ground line, or you may go get in a box hut somewhere. That kid doesn't want to be quiet or can, he, he can't, he or she cannot sit still for a long period of time. And I know, you know, 
it's not, not always about the hunt, but I can tell you, uh, if you take that same child and you go dog hunting with it, deer dog hunting, they don't have to be quiet. Uh, this week I saw pictures of some of my friends taking their kids and they were over there playing with Tonka trucks in the mud and the Alabama red clay, you know, and they, you know, they're stomping in mud holes and they would get with their other buddies and, and, you know, throwing rocks at each other, just being kids. And, and you know, when we, when, when the, when we turn the dogs out and the dogs coming to you, okay, let's settle down get ready. You might, might be able to kill one, be quiet, you know, whatever. But if the dogs on, if the deer's on the other side of the block, Hey, you just have a good time. And then when, when it's over, we all gang up and tell the stories about what happened and what didn't happen, who missed. And well, the kids over there playing, you know, and, 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 and look, <clears throat> they're not on Facebook. They're not over there on a, on a, playing a computer game and that kind of thing. And, and, um, to me, that's what's important, and and I think that that, that I don't know of any other sport, other than, you know, in, in South Alabama or in Alabama. Period. I don't know of any other sport that involves kids as much as deer dog hunting, and and I you know I, I think I can say that honestly. Now, I'm not saying people don't take kids hunting, still hunting, but again, the amount of kids we we have youth hunts open to the public. Uh, you know, usually the, the, uh, I want to say that the first weekend of, of deer dog season, uh, uh, is, is, is like November 19th the weekend before they always have the youth hunt. And we, we have open hunts on Saturday and uh, Friday and Saturday, um, open to the public. And, uh, we, I think we had, I don't know, six or eight counties from North Alabama to South Alabama from this, you know, the East side to the West side. Uh, this year, and we probably had somewhere between 350 and 400 kids at these hunts. And we, we want the public to come. Just like this podcast, I wanted to get on it because I want to be able to tell people, how, you know, this is what we do. This is who we are. And, you know, this is where dog hunting is evolving. But in the same token, I want to take kids and, and, and their parents. They've never been dog hunting before. Um Last weekend we had a, a veterans hunt uh, in Shelby County, Alabama. Uh, uh, the the uh, you know, we have chapters of our association, and the Jimmy McDonald's are, is our uh, president up there with his club, South Shelby Hunting Club. Had a had a they had twenty three veterans that came to there, and and look, one of them got to kill a deer, but it wasn't about the deer; it was about the camaraderie and hanging out, and and the fellowship. Those guys. Jimmy told me, he said, Lonnie, he said, I rode by, one of them was in a lot, sitting in a lawn chair reading a book, and the dogs were running a deer, you know. Yeah. But, hey, that guy was enjoying his hunt, and it didn't matter. That's and that's, right. that's really what it's about. You do what you want to do as long as it doesn't infringe on someone else. Yeah, and, and you've talked a lot about the about the tradition of, of deer dog hunting, and I think it's really the tradition of hunting in general. You know, when you start talking about – getting together and the camaraderie and telling stories. It, it makes me think of, uh, my family getting together during deer season. And, and that's kind of what's, what it's about for us. We want to all kill a big buck, but we all gather around and, you know, listen to my grandpa tell the same stories and same stories come up and we all look forward to just being together. So, um, it's really, you know, hunting in general is not always about taking an animal. It's about camaraderie. Yeah. And with, the stuff that we already mentioned with uh, deer dogs and the heritage kind of in jeopardy right now, it's more important than ever to get the kids involved. And, and you are right. It's kind of like squirrel hunting. The squirrel hunting is one of the easiest things to get kids in the outdoors. And 
if you can get kids around uh, dogs and just have fun, they don't have to worry about being quiet, then they're, they're going to have a blast and you have a really good success rate of getting them back out there again. Sure. And, you know, I, I want to say that, that you mentioned squirrel hunting and I, you know, uh, on, on, in Alabama on, on the national forest lands and on, on the WMAs, you can squirrel hunt with a dog. You can rabbit hunt with a dog and, 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 but you can't deer hunt only on, on, on a very few limited few. And so I, I, I follow Facebook posts and, and, and I'm all the time, you know, hopefully, you know, I try to be positive about it and I try to answer for questions for people, but uh, countless times I'm having, you know, listening and, and reading posts about, uh, I heard them rabbit hunters are running dogs again, you're messing up my hunt, the squirrel hunters are running dogs again, messing up my hunt. And, 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 you know, so, so you, and, and, and look, they can delete. What I'm trying to say is they can take away dog, deer dog hunting. If you want to, if that's a problem. Then what's next? When, when and look and and the, the, the coon hunters and the squirrel hunters and and the rabbit hunters are not under fire and and I've had discussions with them before, and they're not they're, well hey that are they're not bothering us that doesn't affect us it rolls we, downhill though sooner or later sooner or later somebody's going to get mad and they're going to get tired of hearing the phone calls and the 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 the, the, the Facebook posts and the emails and what have you and they're going to say hey we cut dog hunting out and. Now let's let's go after the rabbits, or let's go after the the squirrel hunters, or you know, or or, or the bird dogs, you know, and and so, you know, that that's what you've got. And and look, it's public land, people, and 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 if if it's public land, then everybody should have a right to that land. And I I don't think you should mix deer dog, any dog hunter, and a steel hunter, because the steel hunters there, like I said, I like to go for my solitude and peace and quiet. But but you can alternate weekends, or you could say, hey, this week is deer dog season, and and you know there's things we could do to work around it. But in, at the end of the day, we all need to be good neighbors, and and I need to respect your way of hunting, and you need to respect mine. And as long as I'm following the game laws and doing what I'm supposed to do, hey, I, I'm good, and 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 you you do the same. Exactly, I think. I think anybody listening to this, there's obviously a passion and love for, for hunting with dogs. I think anybody would agree with that. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to have a deer dog episode because it's just a lot of people don't get to hear too much about it, but it is in jeopardy and it's, it's, it's a very traditional way of hunting that's in, in danger right now. And like you said, it may just be deer dogs today, but it could be our bird dogs tomorrow. And, uh, we've all had to put up with that, but I think that's a great way to close this one out, Lonnie. Hey, I want to say one more thing. So yeah. the state of Alabama is, is working very well with us. The the, 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 the Department of Conservation, Natural Resources people, uh, they have a conservation uh, advisory board. Uh, it's, we call it the CAB. Uh, those guys are working well with us as far as communicating. And, you know, I normally email uh, the, the department uh, uh, the, the, the enforcement department chief, uh, you know, uh, and I, uh, and ask him how many problems we've had. So I kind of keep the tabs on it during the year. And I want to say the, as, as of December 26, there was 46 complaints statewide. And I asked him how many of those had, you know, basically had tickets written or, or, or you know, warnings or, and, you know, uh, and one third of those. So just if we say 18 of those 46 had tickets, 
or, or, or warnings written, that's not bad at all in the state of Alabama. And that's, that's, that's actually very good. I, you know, I, I know in the past has been, you know, 150 to 200 of those, you know, tickets written. And, and, uh, of course now we, 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 we had to go about another, you know, three or four weeks here and we'll see what, you know, I'm going to email them again tomorrow and, 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 and get the final report. But a point being, it's, it's very good compared to what it used to be. And it's because of, of, of the training video and people like me that are like-minded that want to keep our dogs off other people's property. And, and, and that's the biggest push about it. And, uh, you know, we don't want our dog on your property. Right. We want to keep it on our property. And, and, you know, it's, if it's on your property, I'm, I'm not breaking the law as far as willingly letting it go. And, and, and if it's wasting energy on your property, I need it on my property, expending that same energy, trying to, you know, get a deer going for my hunting party. And that's what it's about. Yes, sir. And what you said earlier about the, the Facebook post of uh, a guy saying that the dog can't read the sign that says no trespassing. He's right. But you know, your response to that is, is spot on that, that you can read the signs. So you train your dogs to, to come off of a track when you need to. So you guys be sure to check out Mr. Lonnie's uh, video on his website. And uh, Mr. Lonnie, thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, it's, it's been very informative. We've enjoyed learning about deer dogs tonight. And I know the listeners will too. Well, thank you. And uh, if you, you know, if you got any questions, just, uh, my email address is on there and, and uh, you can feel free to email me or, or give me a call. I'll be glad to answer what I can. Awesome. We appreciate it, Lonnie. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.